Welcome to Parent Driven Development. I'm Chris Sexton, and today I'm here with my friend Chris. <laughs> I am Chris Arcand, and Chris and I are both here on Parent Driven Development. This week's episode, we're going to talk about how to manage your tech career with kids, uh, how it changes, how you might deal with it differently as a parent, both as an individual contributor, an IC, and a manager. So, I am an individual contributor. I'm an engineering lead over at HashiCorp. Chris, you are VP of engineering over at Radius Networks. So we That's fulfill right. both those two roles. Let's talk about that. We'll kind of frame it with, we realize that our perspective is very similar being two white guys in tech with kids. Named Chris. Named yeah. Chris. So uh, this might only apply to people named Chris. Uh, however, our other panelists that normally come had other things come up mostly related to their kids and kindergarten orientation and other things like that as life is apt to get in the way. And so we're going to do the best we can, but don't don't think that we went into this thinking that we had the, a clear picture of all the perspectives on this. So first to start us off, the first thing that I want to talk about is how do personal priorities and desired job circumstances change? I know for me, especially as an IC, time off and having a very flexible schedule is suddenly even more extremely valuable, right? Like I had jobs before that were like the usual, you know, take four weeks off or five weeks off a year or whatever and bank it for the next year or whatever. And suddenly the idea of having flexible time off, which is what I have now, to, you know, really be able to take time off whenever it's needed and not think so much about like, ooh, well, if I take a week off here, then will I have time for this later on in the year? That is like so, so valuable. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of the traditional way to think about it from the like that standard engineering point of view is like, well, I just need a certain amount of time off. I'll I'll fill in those slots. But man, it gets so much more complicated. Carpools yeah. and kids' vacations yeah. and school school schedule. Like, uh. yeah, yeah, the ability to get things done that need to be done at weird times. You know, the doctor's appointments, the school drop-offs, everything you just said. That is like super awesome that you're able to be able to plan for those without it necessarily extremely inconveniencing time off where it's not absolutely required where it's actually meant for like rest and relaxation. And I know early on when I was, you know, just writing code all day long, if I took time off, it really only impacted how quick it was going to take for that, you know, task to get shipped. But since we're talking about this in the frame of like your tech career, if you're ambitious and you want to move up, your whatever you're working on becomes more and more important or at least more integrated and dependent on all the other things that are happening around you. And so now it's not just how much time do you have off? How do we juggle those dependencies and the repercussions of moving those around? Yeah. I mean, as a, as a manager, like, how do you plan for that sort of thing on your team? I mean, this is something that I certainly have no real experience with, but like poorly. So now, yeah. <laughs> So now, now you have all these direct reports and they need time to be able to, again, get things done that need to get done, but also have time to be able to actually take time off. Given that sort of flexibility, how do you 
plan on things and like, you know, set deadlines or at least expectations and have a real sense how the team is operating as a single unit when that flexibility is possible on an individual level. So I think one thing to, that's important to know is that frequently what folks on the team, the un, unexpected things that they bring up just pale in comparison to the unexpected things that the business as a whole comes up with. So often sprints get interrupted and tasks get derailed. But the vast majority of those times, it's because you have an, a customer that wants a change or, a, you know, a manager or a different group within the company asking for something or something became much more high priority. So drop everything and switch to that. That is a lot harder to manage and happens way more frequently than somebody taking some time off. And in general, people know in advance when they're going to take vacation and Typically, like I know myself and, and a number of peers really think in more of those, you know, week timeframes and not the like, I need to take an afternoon off to go do a thing. That only matters if it becomes consistently problematic. And, and I hope if that's, that's the situation, conversations are already being had. <laughs> but in general, like we need to take time off or people need to plan vacation, even if it lines up and multiple people on a team are, are doing it, it's, it's, it can, you know, can be absorbed or at least planned around. Sometimes not. that's not the case, or you have somebody that's super critical. I Actually, I have one of the principal engineers on my team is off this week, and the CEO uh, talked to me and was like, oh, no, what are we going to do? Like, he's... He's the one that can save us all. Like we, we need to, we need to get this person. And we talked about it. And in the end, the take was, well, happy engineers are good engineers. We need to have that. And, and everybody was fine, but it was a little bit of a obvious hit <laughs> to the team. So I think the more important thing is like making sure folks communicate and remind frequently. Like that, that makes for an easy job as a manager is like, Hey, I'm going to take, I'm going to take time off and, you know, the summer and then like, Hey, don't forget next month time off, like in a week, I'm going to be gone for a week. And then yeah. typically, you know, coordinating that with your coworkers and, and making sure we're not going to be behind. So have you had a time as a manager where the big event does happen where like suddenly because of some parenting reason, like that person is really out in a very unplanned sort of way, like in a kind of emergent sort of situation? We have, and we have a team of one. The only SRE type role that we have at, at the company is is only one person. And that's probably the right amount of people for how much work we have. But they have multiple kids and then needed to move across the country. And then the wife got a new job and it presented a problem. Like we couldn't do all the things that we needed to do. And then that was just a situation where stuff falls uphill and that just lands on the more senior folks that are around that can that can jump in and figure it out. And that that was rough, like, you know, but it was manageable. Also, we weren't surprised. They were very, very good about communicating what was what was going to be happening. That was what made my job possible. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I've I've been I've had one experience over the last year where we had a project that we were moving fast on, getting done, and then someone who their wife was expecting suddenly there were some complications where he had to suddenly be just completely gone on leave for the length of his leave for several months right in the middle of the project and that was fun juggling things around but we managed it i think that like 
organizations definitely have to build that sort of resiliency on handling sudden circumstances, not just for parents, but for anyone in general to be able to kind of manage projects and their organization. I heard this interesting. I hadn't, I know that this is something that's been talked about a lot, but it was very, a new idea to me. You always hear about like chaos monkey, right? And like, you know, this, this, for those that aren't aware is this concept where, you know, you should be able to at random shut down any part of your particular system or cause problems in your system and test that the the system still works, right? Well, what if you take that and you apply it to people? What if you take it to like, all right, what if your lead engineer is suddenly like gone for three months? Like, how does that feel <laughs> in your organization? And that sort of thinking about it on a people level, it was very, very interesting to think about. I heard it reframed recently where it was not the developer gets hit by a bus. What are we going to do? They're like, people Uh don't get hit by buses that often. But it was, what if an employee gets poached, you know, gets hired off by Uh another company? Planning for that is a real situation and does happen, you know. And when you think of it that way, all of a sudden having some sort of redundancy or at least writing down what we were doing uh, suddenly becomes very important. Mm Mm-hmm. So while we're still talking about time off, flexible schedules, expectations, stuff like that, as a manager, you know, are expectations for direct reports who are parents different from those that aren't? Like, how do you handle those situations where like, oh, well, they're a parent, so this or well, they aren't a parent, so that sort of thing? Behavior is definitely different. Parents tend to just operate different than folks that aren't. And I think that is <laughs> due to the things that we just talked about. We, we have to worry about kids' schedules and, and, and handle all those things. So yeah, I think expectations are, you know, at least for me, different, but it's, it's, it should all kind of be based on conversation and where we're coming from. And the team that I'm on, it, actually the company is, is very parent heavy. I've worked at other places where it was all, you know, young kids, that were hungry or whatever kind of cringy <laughs> way you describe it. Whereas the parents tend to be more senior folks, you know, they're older typically, and that also affects it. So just like having somebody who's more senior, you have different expectations than someone more junior for a lot of, a lot of different levels. So we talked about time off. What about other benefits? Those suddenly become more more important. Yeah, it's like, wait, suddenly I care about life insurance and health benefits and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. No, I I have definitely noticed. So I have a three year old and a seven month old, and I have noticed since becoming a parent that suddenly those are things that I really you know actually care about quite a bit. Like, and you know, I I come from a place of privilege. Like my my wife is in healthcare and has had good benefits besides. So like, that's not to say that anyone who doesn't have kids doesn't care about benefits. Of course not. But since becoming a parent and realizing that like, you know, things like what sort of comprehensive healthcare we have and like the dental plan and everything else, all those things suddenly matter quite a bit more than they used to when kids are involved and not just like 
healthcare stuff either. There's suddenly other benefits that like, oh, wow, as a parent, like that's that's suddenly a big deal. So like HashiCorp offers a, a family expansion benefit through this product called Carrot. And that includes a whole bunch of different options for reproductive services, treatment for infertility, options for delayed fertility, adoption, surrogacy, all that sort of stuff. And suddenly, you know, that that sort of benefit is something that's very applicable. Yeah. And I think that those make a make a big difference. I've, I've seen good mm-hmm. friends go through adoption and ha- be able to rely on benefits and support from their their companies. And it makes just the world a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely like the obvious ones are the health and dental and, and how to deal with that. And dear Lord, I don't understand how kids teeth can cost as much as they do. <laughs> you know, especially when we have have one that's in braces and the dentist makes some just offhand comment of, yeah, you might want to consider this for the other one. <laughs> like, yeah. Guess we won't buy a car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Switching topics just a little bit. Now we're talking about you know, benefits that suddenly matter, stuff that you care about more. Can you talk a little bit from like a company's or a manager's perspective, how suddenly being more cognizant about what your direct reports care about, like how you perceive those changes and like how you need to be aware of what parents care about a lot? I'm not not quite sure I know what the question is, but there is it is definitely one of those if we're trying to you know pay attention to what employees need and what is going to make them happy mm-hmm. and, and i'm trying to remember who it was that said it it might have been like a Joel Spolsky thing or something where the goal is to to make sure that i think he was talking about compensation like you know mm-hmm. the, their salary like it needs to be to a point where they're not worrying about it mm-hmm. and that's one of those like obviously everybody want, would like to make more money and lots of people probably need or deserve it and, mm-hmm. and lots of situations but as a manager we you know everything works better if we can get to the point where people aren't worried about it like they they're not stressing about making ends meet they're not worried about what was going to happen if they suddenly have to pay for braces for their kid and i think that all falls into that so the benefits there you know from the engineering manager perspective are to make sure that those problems can go away or at least be dealt with to the point where you know now i'm now i'm worrying about what my job is like what I'm supposed to be building while I'm at work and not how I'm going to suddenly pay the dentist bill. <laughs> so, so what you're trying to say is what they care about matters. <laughs> <laughs> what they care about matters and directly affects, you know, productivity and throughput and how well they work on a team. How do you determine like what sort of things do you use to figure out, you know, what your direct reports care about, what parents care about? Uh, a lot on your team. I probably don't have a clear process and I'm, I'm sure it could be better. <laughs> this would be a good question to ask the people that are on my team. <laughs> I, I'd be curious to hear hear feedback on, on how quickly I pick up on things. And I think what it comes down to is, you know, the one-on-one meetings, especially with a, a primarily remote team. It's just, mm-hmm. you have to get on the phone and talk to people and talk to people about not work at least a little. And once, once you kind of get into that, it, it goes pretty well. Some people are, are great. Uh, you can uh-huh. tell they're you know, used to being remote employees and will proactively offer up relevant information. Mm-hmm. Do you think about that? Like making sure that your manager or folks on your team are, are aware of certain things? Oh, yeah, totally. No, I, th- I was, I was going to say that like, one-on-ones 
same thing. Like the, the importance of one-on-ones can't be understated by any means. What I have set up with my direct manager is a weekly one-on-one spot that we very often like, you know, if it's, if a particular week is busy, then we just don't, we don't bother meeting up and we, we just kind of decide as we go, like, you know, is, do we have a lot to talk about or is it just kind of same old, same old and I, you know, need to, to work on things. We're not, we're not adhered to a very super strict cadence. And I would say that it averages out to be like every other week or so. And quite honestly, you know, a lot of, (laughs) a lot of my one-on-ones, my direct manager is in Sydney, Australia. So it just works out well that it's usually like kind of an evening, an evening sort of slot for me, or maybe I'm a little more contemplative and not wanting to talk about work (laughs) (laughs) at 5.30 or 6 or whatever. So yeah, no, the one-on-ones are definitely, definitely a big deal. And not just about work, but about how life is going in general and how that might influence how work is getting done, etc. I think I could I could point directly to a lack of one-on-one conversations for all the places where things got away from me or I didn't uh-huh. realize or keep track of what was necessary. And uh-huh. yeah, that's that's one of those. You know, and I, I'm all, I'm always torn between having it be for, you know, a formal thing on a calendar versus the, oh, whenever you want to, we want to chat. And some folks, it works great to keep it informal, but, you know, depending on the company, the size of the team, you know, it's, it's one of those like <laughs> radius is growing and uh, there's more people and the calendar is becoming more and more strict. So mm-hmm. uh, I think I'm going to have to have to switch to probably a similar thing where it's just a standing meeting and we can always punt if we want to. Mm-hmm. Speaking of time management and whatnot, another topic that I kind of wanted to get into was, you know, I feel when you become a parent, suddenly, and this is true of everything and not just working, you suddenly have to plan on being interrupted, right? All the time, because that's that's what kids do in their home. So suddenly, like getting in the zone or the flow doesn't really happen anymore. How do people compensate? for, you know, that lack of a 12 hour marathon coding session, you know, I can, I can respond as an IC, but I specifically was wondering as a manager, as someone that has, you know, I'm stereotyping here and being kind of generic, you probably have a lot of appointments. You have a lot of meetings where you're meeting with other people because that is your job. How do you manage that as a parent who gets interrupted all the time? So in some ways, it's way easier because juggling meetings and coordinating things with other folks, the interruptions just don't matter. They don't have the same impact as it would if I was heads down and been coding on something and had everything loaded into memory and Uh I had a perfect picture of what's going on in the code. And then, you know, immediately somebody asks a question and it just all poof disappears. (laughs) Yeah, Um, exactly. I don't have that problem. Because I'm I'm talking to different teams and making sure, and I have, if you could see my desk, it's it's 30 post-it notes where I've scribbled different notes of things to follow mm-hmm. up. And the type of work is much more forgiving as far as interruptions go. And I think that that works well for, you know, uh, project managers and also kind of a similar thing where it is that more of the coordination, it's kind of like work gets done by interruption or work it's done in meetings. Whereas, you know, a typical developer would think, well, I'm in a meeting, I'm clearly not working. And I got to admit, I'm very nostalgic for that. Like, I want to get into the 
into the flow and just crank through something. Because the amount of stuff you can get done, you know, working on something where you don't even realize it's, you know, after midnight and you've been working on this thing for eight hours and you forgot to eat, but you blasted through it and you had a great time and you, you came out with something that, that is, you know, well put together. That's awesome. I miss that. <laughs> I would like to get to have some of those things still. But if that was still my primary job to sit and write code, I would probably try to do that. And I think now that my kids are older, you know, now that we're middle school, high school age, I could totally do that. They would they would be very happy to sit in their rooms on different screens and ignore me for as many hours as, as I as I would want. <laughs> Doesn't happen when they're three. <laughs> no, 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 no. My three-year-old, three-year-old, not so much. He loves coming, exploding through my door of my office, wanting to tell me about something that happened out in the living room, stuff like that. Right. Well, and as, as nostalgic as I am to get like into that coding flow, I'm also nostalgic for that three-year-old coming in and, oh, and showing something. Because I love my teenagers, but man, that's just a different type of interruption. <laughs> no, it's 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 hard actually with with the little kids because you want to spend time with them, you want to indulge them for I don't know whatever your spouse might have made them for lunch and how excited they are about it and stuff like that. So even if it was yeah. the same thing as yesterday, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd say that like you know as an IC. And being interrupted all the time. Well, first of all, there's there's bigger things that you can do to avoid that if that's the sort of style that you really, really need. I know, for example, one of my colleagues at the office, he has rented space out and has like a his own office, mm-hmm. a rented office space that he goes to every day as if it, you know, we're we're a normal, you know, we're all a remote company. He goes there every time to have like a normal day where he's just not interrupted. So you could do that. I like working at home. I have a good setup for it, but still getting interrupted. And the way I compensate for that is I'm finding myself writing everything down. Like you should see my notes application. It is preposterous random and ridiculous because every time you know i get interrupted and need to go do something or whatever i will write down quickly like what my thought was at a particular time or maybe i'll write a code comment in to say like this is this is where i left off thinking about this problem so that when i come back it doesn't take me you know the whole day to figure out what the heck i was doing before but yeah yeah that's where i raise an exception with and explain to myself (laughs) you were working on this yeah exactly. and then i come back and when i do you know sit and write code it does come in fits and spurts and so i i wind up having to do that to kind of an extreme otherwise i'll I'll just always come back and do the same same 15 minutes of work every time mm-hmm. but, although the notes application i wish i kind of wish allison was here because i've never seen anybody use and be as thorough with documenting and writing down and taking notes and creating lists as Allison is, it's, it's just a whole other level. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be its own whole episode then, because I I want to be better at that. I wish I were better at that. I'm not. It's just like a giant mission. I have the most ridiculous like notes in the notes app that are just like I don't know random numbers and like sayings that I have no <laughs> idea what the context is anymore and stuff like that. So that would be good. A weird hodgepodge of reminders and notes and then stickies on my desk. <laughs> yeah. So one other thing that I wanted to touch on is that like, you know, along with just compensating 
with being interrupted all the time. Another thing that I do to try and get, you know, when I need to have that zone time where I'm uninterrupted, where I'm really working on a problem, it might be that, you know, working odd hours is sometimes desirable. Like there are times where, and this goes along with the flexibility topic that we went over. There are times where like, hey, it is a absolutely gorgeous day outside. The three-year-old is home. He wants to go running around in the pool, in the kiddie pool out in the front yard mm-hmm. or whatever. Maybe I will take, you know, four hours off this afternoon and instead work in the evening where I'm completely uninterrupted, where all the kids are asleep or whatever. And that is really awesome. Like, I really enjoy doing that. And maybe maybe it's easier for me because, you know, I also weirdly have coworkers around as if it were a normal workday. Half my team is Australian. So I get to stay up with the stay up late with the Australians waking up and working. But I guess the big point that I wanted to make is that I have noticed over the past several years that you have to be careful about, you know, we're very protective at my company about making sure that people are not overworking, that they're not feeling like they're putting in a full day and then working all night on whatever feature or whatever. But it's weird because as parents, sometimes working until midnight or 1am is actually like really nice and helps us achieve that work-life balance because we're not working all afternoon. We're just going to work late instead. So recognizing that difference between work-life balance, badness and doing it wrong and working all night and all day and flexibility working late, but there's a reason and balance to it. I think that's really important for managers and the team overall. Yeah, I definitely think that is something that the managers have to be very cognizant of because I had that exact same reaction. I I remember talking to some folks and they were very adamant, like, don't send emails, you know, on the weekends. Like you're sending the wrong message. You're working over the weekends. And at first that that made total sense to me. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. I shouldn't do that. But then I then I also kind of realized, and actually it was based on conversations from one of the engineers on the team, and she was trying to juggle things and, and needed to deal with this and, and realized that the understanding was that working the other hours was somehow less than. And I was like, oh, well, I want to make sure that I'm very open and clear like, you know, set, set that expectation, make sure it's visible. Like I'm not doing anything now. And instead I'm going to do mm-hmm. some other stuff later because that works a lot better. And I used to make the joke that, you know, I like, while I wouldn't show up into the office until like 10 o'clock in the morning, like, but I'd leave by three and then people, you know, would wait, they're like, wait a second. So you only worked how many hours? I was like, well, I'd leave by three, but then it worked out really well because I could go drive carpool, drop off at gymnastics, pick up at Little League, do all those things, eat dinner, and then sit and work for a couple hours. And mm-hmm. it was fantastic. Nobody was asking right. me for anything. And I was very happy. And I think that works. Like that flexibility is super important. And actually, I kind of, when you were explaining it, you said take off four hours. In my head, I was like, that's not taking off time. You're just moving your time. That's different. (laughs) Take off time implies like PTO and and vacation and stuff like that. No, no, no. It's just I'm going to work at this these hours because I don't know. I want to like. Yeah, exactly. And that's I think it's really tough. I go back and forth about the whole like there's always the features and email clients of like don't send this until 9 a.m. on Monday if you're working over the weekend or whatever stuff. And I think that there's definitely an argument for that. And I totally get that because you're sending the wrong message or whatever. But also like if people like if your company 
is used to that where like, hey, if someone's sending out an email on an odd time or on the weekend or whatever, that doesn't mean that they're burning the midnight oil and like working 40 hours in the week and then also working the weekend. There's a trust there that like you, that balance is being maintained and that there's a reason why you're sending it out late and you weren't working earlier. It's just a hard topic in general. And it also gets complicated when you have a global team, right? Like if people are sending out emails on a Friday in the Western Hemisphere, everyone in the Eastern Hemisphere, it's their Saturday. <laughs> like you're sending me emails on Saturday. Well, no, it's Friday. So like, you know, when the team is greatly dispersed like that, suddenly those challenges become more real. Anyways, I think this is the part where we can go over our genius fails. Is that I do like the genius fail moment. So yeah, this is the part where we talk about something either really good that happened or maybe not so good. And, you know, just as part of our parenting journey, maybe something that we can learn from or take pride in. Did you have something you want to share? Sure. So recently, the three-year-old has not gone to bed super well. <laughs> He's been <laughs> a fantastic sleeper all of his little life. But recently, it's starting to get me more of a challenge. Like, I don't want to go to bed, stuff like that. And I was visiting my brother out in Colorado, and he has a approximately three-year-old. And I noticed that they were doing basically like CDs, like story stuff from like, mm -hmm. like Disney story stuff. And they just keep it on and she just listens to it and eventually falls asleep. And I thought, all right, let's let's look into that. So I got like a cheap Bluetooth speaker. I didn't want to do CDs. I got a cheap Bluetooth speaker that stays in his room and I stream using Spotify or whatever. They have the Disney story collections available there. And we have started to play maybe two, maybe three of these like 15 minute, you know, story collections where it's like the the classic Disney story with like the original voices in the movie, but also like narration and stuff like that. And it's just stories to listen to. And I think it's helped quite a bit. So we, we read some books before bedtime and then he listens to some stories as well to kind of ease it in even more. And it just is a calming sort of thing that kind of starts the bedtime process instead of just being like, all right, it's bedtime. See you later. So we, we actually do something very similar. And it works as they get older. They'll listen to audiobooks. Uh -huh. And my son in particular likes to listen to audiobooks. He has ADHD. He likes to have multiple things going at one time that, you know, is, is kind of comforting for him, uh -huh. although it can drive his mother and I a little crazy. But he'll listen and it seems like he's not paying attention whatsoever. Like if you if you were to watch him, he's not doing it and he'll put it on while he's going to bed and it, he's able to call him and get to sleep faster. But he listens to like there's this Percy Jackson series and it's all kind of fiction based around, you know, like Greek mythology. Mm -hmm. Like, but man, if you ask him about any Greek god or a titan or a, he'll know who they are and who they're related to. <laughs> and when he gets to that, you know, section in, you know, high school English, he is going to own it because <laughs> he's just like, no, no, no. Like. Like that's Artemis, not Apollo. And like, oh, and actually right. that, you know, NASA got it wrong because it should have been this. And, and, you know, and it was, it was just going on about that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I, I, I definitely like the, the audio books. And that was one of those things where like, you can use your device uh -huh. uh, whenever, like when, when you want to without the screen on. That was mm -hmm. kind of the, re the requirement because mm -hmm. like you said, physical media, like who needs that? <laughs> yeah that's awesome what uh, uh what about you what's your what's your genius so family? i had one and 
we've kind of avoided the whole uh, pandemic topic, I think, very well, <laughs> this whole discussion. Yeah. But this one is, is kind of related to that. My son is a scout, and he had just started last year and would have been going to his first summer camp and was super mm-hmm. excited for it. But summer camp was canceled. And so instead, we had virtual summer camp. And, it, you know, it was done over Zoom meetings. And he, he cranked through. He did like five merit badges, which was a lot. That was, you know, upper limits of what you could do, especially for your first year. I was very proud of him. But the win for this one was the Scouts has officially approved you could get camping nights for camping at home. Normally, that wouldn't, that wouldn't count. You have to, you know, go somewhere. And so he, you know, hung a camping hammock in the backyard, got a little bug net because, you know, we live in, in Virginia and the mosquitoes would carry him away. But, you know, he did that and then dutifully slept outside the entire week long. And so I was, you know what, I'm counting that as a win and he had a good time. Sometimes he'd come in in the morning, you know, 8 a.m. and then go to sleep on the couch. But, you know, that was fine. He, he made it through the whole night. Wow. The week, you said. Yep. An entire week. That's yeah. So five days. Five, but yeah. It, five days. But yeah, okay. That's a lot of time. Yeah. So it was just one of those, like, you know, after after two days, I'd be like, my bed is like, I could walk there <laughs> like right now. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, he didn't didn't but, drag the mattress out in the tent or anything right. Like no, no, it was, you know, it was great. <laughs> it just out on the back in a, in a hammock and had a great time. Yeah, it rained some nights. He he stuck yeah. to it. Oh wow, so, jeez, so. impressive. It was definitely not the same experience, but uh, you know he he definitely put in put in the effort. So I, I give him credit for that. Cool. Thanks so much for listening to Parent Driven Development Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. If you have questions you'd like us to chat about on the air, please feel free to email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or you can find us on Twitter at parentdrivendev. If you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We are patreon.com slash parentdrivendev or rate us on iTunes. That really does help. Excellent. Thanks for talking, Chris. Thank you. Thank you.